Welcome in to AWA Unleashed. We are the self-proclaimed preeminent number one podcast dedicated to telling the stories and reliving the memories of the American Wrestling Association, the wrestling territory that we consider to be the number one territory in the history of the wrestling industry. My name is Chris Tubbs, but let's bring in the uh, the other two. Let's bring in Mick Karch and Polish Show. And b- before we get going, Mick, I got something you and I need to do. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I see your cat Happy running away. Birthday, dear Polish Jochebek. Happy birthday to you. Your cat will now never ever appear on the podcast again because he doesn't want to be associated with the American Idol dropouts. But thank you guys. I appreciate it. Wow. <laughs> hey, even on it's my birthday, I can give you shit all I want. All we wanted to do was be nice to you on your birthday. And I'm you're just nice why did we sing to him? <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys, do the podcast on your own. There he Go goes. <laughs> there he goes. Jesse Ventura, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm taking my headset. And, uh, uh, that's it. He's gone. Wait a wait a minute. There he is. <laughs> He's back. I know. I know. Sucks to be you guys. Uh, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> hey, this is going to be a fun show, guys, because this is all about your questions, what you want to know, and we continue even when we don't have any Q and A schedule. I feel like. Here's a chance to, you know, because people are always asking questions. So here's a chance, you guys, that we're going to have a, another no DQ&A. We're going to get to those in just a minute. Uh, take care of the business, as they say. You see Soda Stick up there. That's the place to get your AWA Unleashed swag. Uh, SodaStickCO.com slash Unleashed. Use the promo code Unleashed to get 15% off as well. You've got 7th Avenue Pizza. I just had a 7th Avenue Pizza last night, you guys. So, so good. Uh, I just had their Italian sausage. It was awesome. Uh, it's great for putting on the grill now. If, if you know, if you want to put it in the grill, you want to, you know, put it out in your egg. There's so many different ways you can make these if you don't want to even heat up the oven. Uh, 7thAvenuePizza.com. Okay. So, we have got, outside of Joe's birthday... Uh, we've got questions, we've got answers, but first of all, Mick, I, I know that you want to acknowledge, uh, make an acknowledgement here early on. You know, this is getting to be way too often that we're, uh, or that I'm doing this, we're doing this. Um, another wrestler has passed and, uh, one of the great lady wrestlers of the modern era and even just a little bit before, and that is uh, Peggy Lee Leather. Uh, Peggy uh, Peggy Fowler was her real name. Just a great competitor. I mean, literally wrestled all over the world. She kind of did the biker gimmick. She wrestled under a mask. She was Peggy Lee at one time, then Peggy Lee Leather, and, and just a super, super gal. And I know the ladies of the 1980s wrestling community, 1990s community, are very heartsick um, over Peggy's passing. One very interesting note that there's a video uh, from Las Vegas. I did ring announcing one night when Peggy was coming into the ring, and I, I got in her way uh, as I was getting out of the ring, 
and you don't hear her say this, but she whispered to me, will you get the app out of my way, please? And I said, I said, oh, yes, ma'am. And, uh, you know, I, I reminded her that uh, last time I saw her a couple of years ago at Cauliflower Alley Club. But uh, what a competitor. Uh, her matches with Bambi uh, for years and years on the, on the circuit are, are very well known. So Godspeed, Peggy. Yeah, I had the opportunity to work with her at the showboat yeah. uh, on, on more than one occasion. Uh, you know, Mick, you, you brought up that she was um, your modern era, old school. She was right in that transitional period. Yeah, um, to me, Peggy fit more into the, um, shall we just say, older school. Absolutely. The, her, her style, um, just everything about her. And uh, she helped transition some of the uh, the next wave, the um, Medusa Michellis of the world. Um, great worker. Um, very, very nice, very pleasant person to work with. Uh, you definitely had more interactions with her than I did, but uh, your sentiment of this happening all too often, yeah, it just, it, 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 it sucks. Uh, seems like every week we're paying tribute to another legend that were trailblazers. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's tough. Uh, I don't want to, you know, sell it anything shorter than it's a, a, a tough thing. Um, but we must we must move on. And by doing that, we can uh, keep the podcast going and continue to pay tributes to those who stepped onto that mat, wiped their feet before they entered the ring as a tribute to those that came before them. And uh, we shall do that now. Here, I'll let me wipe off my microphone to uh, for the tribute to Peggy Lee. And I think that's, that's, an, that's a good point that you made there, Joe, because you see some people that do it uh, and some that don't. And it, it is like the older school that, you know, it seems like that's kind of something that, Sometimes you don't really see with some of the, the younger wrestlers in terms of wiping their boots on the outside before they get in. And I understand, you know, kayfabe going away needing to, as some would say, but there's just some things that should be respected. I, I think uh, it, it has been done for so long, and it's not something that's commonly known, or at least it used to not be commonly known, among the fans as to why they would mm -hmm. wipe their feet before they got into the ring. And I, 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 I like to believe that if those that don't do that were told that, that they would get that measure of respect for the generations of legends and superstars. Uh, heck, even the guys who didn't make it anywhere. It's still a tribute to those who have entered the ring previously. So, um, but that aside, rest in peace, Peggy. Thanks for all that you've provided for us. And uh, Mick, as it relates to your story, that may be the first time I've ever heard somebody say, get the fuck out of my way, please. Please. She was pleasant. Please. So yeah. I, I, that's, that's the first time that I've ever heard that. Well, the thing is, if she wouldn't have said, please, what am I going to do about it? Tell you're going you you, to move you. anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're, you're moving whether or not you want to move. Right. She's going to move you. 
right, let's get to some uh, some questions here, guys. The first one is for me from Marsha Urvasti. Uh, her brother's a big fan of the Long Riders, Bill and Scott Irwin. Uh, they were in the AWA in the mid-'80s. Did I ever get a chance to see them in person? Uh, if so, what did I think? Her brother says they used the old loaded boot story. I've I've known that they're, they have used the loaded boot. It was part of, you know, part of their, their stick, their gimmick. I never saw them live, but everything that I've seen from them, they just, the, the wild, you know, crazy, unpredictable bikers. I liked it. Like I, I dig the gimmick. I, you know, it, it was a shame that, you know, Scott Irwin, you know, got sick like he did. But I, I enjoyed it. Like uh, when, you know, I just watching the match between, you know, those guys and, and uh, Scott Hall and Kurt Hedding. Like I enjoyed that. Like I, I thought that they were a good fit for what the AWA needed in the mid 80s. Absolutely. They were and very underrated. You know, you, you hear about the road warriors and you know, the high flyers and Ventura and Adonis, but uh, the long riders were, were great. And uh, that loaded boot gimmick, that old tried and true load the boot, uh, it's worked for forever. And, yeah, as you said, very, very sad that uh, Scott, uh, that Scott on your right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, left us early. Scott and Bill, the Long Riders, wrestled, of course, as the Super Destroyers, the masked tag team down in the Texas area. Great legends, both of them. Wild Bill is still around, one of my favorite guys in the business. I agree with you. Very, very good, good talents. I feel during their run, uh, as a fan, because Scott, um, and if I'm off on the dates, uh, I'll apologize, but Scott got sick shortly after Wrestle Rock, um, and, and it was very early in my career with the AWA. So I'm, I'm reflecting back, I guess, more as a fan when I say this, that to me, the Road War or the Long Riders were the only team in the AWA that I thought had at least a, a chance at beating the Road Warriors, that they matched mm-hmm. up the best with them this they were like uh, an evil version of the crusher on motorcycles, yeah. you know, um, bar going, beer drinking, just wild, bad boys. Tough, tough guys that would like to fight. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why it felt that to me, they matched up well with the road warriors. And sadly, uh, I, Scott got sick and left us way too early, but Mick, you're right. They 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 were underrated, severely underrated. If you take a look at their whole body of work, um, they deserve a spot at you know near the top of that tag team list in the AWA. Absolutely. All right, let's go to the next one uh, here for you, Mick, from Tom Badnow, longtime fan here. One of the guys I remember that wrestled on TV a lot was a guy named Caesar Pabon. I remember. I think uh, Marty O'Neill introduced him one time as always ready. Do you remember him, and is he still with us? An amazing story. Caesar Pabon was one of the one of the guys that would come in from the Milwaukee area, along with uh, Angel Rivera and Armando Rodriguez. All the guys that were familiar 
to AWA wrestling fans, and he would come on TV. I never saw Caesar uh, win a match. There he is. And what's amazing about Caesar, he, if he's still with us, and I believe he is, 94 years old at last check, and Caesar actually uh, went to uh, went to the aid of the of our country uh, in the Korean War. There was a special battalion of uh, Latinos that uh, were, were sent out to uh, fight for the United States in the Korean War, and uh, he's a, he's a true hero. And he's trained a lot of wrestlers over the years. A lot of them got started in Milwaukee. And uh, Caesar, hats off to you, especially at this time of the year. And yeah, I hope he's still with us. But again, at last check. 94 years old. God bless him. He survived Korea. He survived um, selling, shall we say, in the AWA. Hats off to you, Mr. Paybon. Yes, yes, yes. All right, uh, the next one for you uh, again, Mick, from Walt Anderson. Towards the end of the AWA, Larry Zabisco and Mr. Saito traded the belt back and forth. Looking back at the roster in those last days, was there anyone else who could have sold tickets as a champion. You know, I, I looked at that roster and Joe, you were there. I don't think anybody was going to sell tickets for the AWA. First of all, at that point, I mean, the, the, the Rochester TV tapings, I think are proof of the pudding. As I looked at the roster, the only one that I could think of that maybe would have had a chance would have been Sergeant Slaughter. And this is 1990, but by 91, Sarge was already doing the, the, you know, Gulf War thing uh, with Vince McMahon and the WWE. So that would have been short-lived. Uh, Baron, at that point in his career, you know, well on in his career. Uh, otherwise, you're getting down to the, uh, not the lesser talent, but I guess the lesser known guys. So, you know, I, I think, Joe, you might agree with this one. You look at it, and it really provides a snapshot of the AWA landscape right at the very end there. I, I think Sarge may have been the only guy. Well, uh, I, I believe it was May of 90 when we did the last live event. I think it was, tw at least in the Twin Cities, Twin Wars. And again, if I'm wrong, this is what I'm remembering. Um, so, you know, the, Zabisco had the belt, but if I want to back up maybe a year you know, go back to 89-ish. Um, one other name that I, well, what you had said, Mick, nobody's going to, was going to sell tickets for the AWA at the time. The end, the end was near, it was on life support. Hulk Hogan could have come in and not revived right. the AWA at that time. But there's one name that I thought at the time that he was a uh, somebody who was going to have a, a good career was uh, DJ Peterson. I thought he was a good worker, mm -hmm. really good worker. I thought that his promos were good. Um, you know, he's still a little green. If he'd have had a little more time, um, he might have been able to run with it. And uh, you look like Daniel Boone now with uh, the, the shadow hat behind you there, Mick. Ernie the Cat Lad has made an appearance. <laughs> so but, when, when it comes to to uh, DJ Peterson, any concern, guys, that, and I mean, we're looking back at it now, you know, hindsight 2020, but any, could you have said that that was, you know, maybe kind of building off of what 
Crockett was doing and, and what they had with a, a Magnum TA? Because I feel like the look was very similar. It was. I mean, that, that's a good point. Uh, you know, and when DJ came I don't in, mean to ask, I don't mean to ask so many questions. Sorry. No. Oh, yeah. You can't. <laughs> your questions add nothing to the podcast. I want you to know that. Okay. But and, and you know, we'll talk about that sometime. Because anyway, uh, <laughs> DJ Peterson. You know, he actually kind of got thrust into tag team stuff uh, early on. You know, along with that uh, master of a uh, thousand and one holds, JT Southern. Initial uh, shock. The initial shock. Great. Uh, but then DJ, of course, got into a program with Kevin Kelly, and then he uh, he got into it with Medusa a little bit. So they he, kind of a little bit of an offshoot. And, of course, uh, one half of the former AWA World Tag Team Champions at the very end. Um, but, again, Joe, I think you and I agree there would have been nothing at that point that would have even filled up one section of the arena in Rochester, uh, it was all over. So, and again, you know, with Sarge, Sarge at least had that uh, worldwide recognition. But again, time frame wise, he was he was headed out east, and that was that. Yep, I agree, hundred percent. All right, guys, let's get to the next one here. This one kind of concerns me from Lane Peller. This is for both of you guys. Did you ever try Vern Gagne's? And I don't know if somebody added this. But I see the words "great tasting protein powder." Let me tell you about that. Uh, I, I think you've got a, a still shot, don't you, Chris, of the of the label or the can or the. I I do. Yes. I, 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 yeah, I'm, uh, I'm surprised that somebody would have said the words "great tasting," but I mean, I never had it. But why don't you guys kind of take me through it? Well, chocolate chalk, I think, would probably be a, a good definition. <laughs> um, I personally had one sip of it. You know, it was a protein drink. You know, this was be- way before the, the market was glutted with protein drinks. Vern had his his vitamins, his Jerispeed, Gerilac, Protein Power Pack, Ziggity Hoo 12, and Dynapower. And um, Dynapower, George Gadaski, I think, said it best. He said, you know, one time I tried that stuff, and for some reason, I got the worst cold and diarrhea of my life. <laughs> so, you know, if you can believe George Scrap Iron Gadaski, and, uh, Ver- and, and I got to tell you, when George said that, this is at the TV studio, he's behind a curtain as Vern is doing a live commercial, <laughs> and I heard George say that. So I don't know if Vern heard it on the other side of the uh, room or not, but... Uh, Vern would always say, you know, you want to be a champion, take it easy, take it, you know, go straight ahead on the Dynapower plan. Well, you know, whatever. You know, in in my younger, dumber days, um, I probably put some stuff into my body that, uh, no, not probably, that that, that I regret. Um but I never did Dynapower. And, and <laughs> that, that was the limit, huh? You'll do all those other things, <laughs> but you won't do Dynapower. Dynapower is the line. Well, the man the man ate paste and he sniffed glue, but he would not do Dynapower. Hey, what's wrong with a few paint chips and you're, you know, I, I'm still here. But I never did the Dynapower, but it was also, <laughs> I mean, when that came out, that was, uh, I was much younger and I didn't need the Dynapower. Although I will have to admit, I have an older brother um, uh, who really got into lifting weights when he was in high school. He's eight years older than me. And 
I, I remember him using uh, some protein powder. It wasn't Dynapower. And I do remember asking him why he didn't, why he wasn't using Vern Gagne's Dynapower. And he didn't have an answer for me. He just goes, ah, this stuff was cheaper. That, that was pretty much it. And I was probably six years old. I didn't know any better at the time. Um, but no, I, I, the George Scrap Iron Gadaski story is about the closest uh, that, that I can get to an end result from what apparently was not exactly a healthy protein powder. No doubting George Gadaski. Hey, it's, a, <laughs> it's a testimonial. It, you're right. <laughs> hey, it's, in testimonial. In testimonial. <laughs> All right. For you, Mick, from uh, Joshua Adler. Uh, settle an argument, please. His uncle says that the late superstar Graham was always a bad guy when he wrestled in the Twin Cities, and he swears he remembers him getting cheered by the crowd. Is he nuts, or was Graham once a fan favorite here? He was. Uh, Billy started out, of course, as a heel here in the AWA, flamboyant to a fault, and uh, he feuded with just about every mainstay babyface that there was. Uh, Wahoo McDaniel, of course, comes to mind, the crusher, Ivan Putsky. But then later on, there they are. Look at that, joined at the forehead. Uh, I love that. I love that picture. Like, I, I've seen a couple a of pictures picture. of those two guys. That's a great picture. Superstar Billy Graham and Dusty Rhodes, who both came in as heels here in the AWA, wound up in the uh, mid-1970s, about 1975-ish, <laughs> uh, teaming up, and they had a long run with the hated German tag team of Horst Hoffman and Baron Von Raschke. So, in fact, uh, superstar Billy Graham did leave the, did leave the territory uh, as, a, as a babyface, came back again, yeah, I believe in 1982 or 83 as a heel, uh, but it was not the same superstar Graham. He was doing a karate gimmick. He had lost a lot of the definition, a lot of the size. Uh, so he, he is correct. Superstar did have a run uh, as a babyface. And from this perspective, yes, he was one of my most hated heels growing up. So he was indeed both. I'll still remember Superstar as the Badass. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the uh, the next one here, guys. This is uh, for me from the Mad Slovak. Uh, he's a longtime fan, not as long as Mick. Wow, but a long time. And I always felt Larry Hennig was underrated. My thoughts, I don't think he was underrated. Uh, I, I feel like when you're given the sort of you know, shine and, and the, I don't even want to call it a push because whenever Larry Hennig, to my knowledge, was ever, was active, like he was featured. I mean, a, you know, former world tag team champ, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, involved with, you know, Vern. I mean, everything high profile with Larry Hennig, there wasn't anything that I feel like wasn't main, that wasn't main event level when it came to Larry Hennig. So, I don't know that I could say he was underrated. Maybe he's underappreciated, but I wouldn't say underrated at all. That's, that's I would just agree me. with you. Yeah, uh, totally. I think under underappreciated is probably more a uh, more apt. Uh, as you said, World Tag Team Champion with Harley Race, and of course, you know he had a long run here in the AWA. Uh, probably, you know, 
probably uh, had he not had the heat with Vern, maybe things would be, would have been even bigger for Larry Henning. But Larry wrestled in Madison Square Garden. He wrestled Bruno San Martino, wrestled in Florida, uh, wrestled on West, wrestled in Japan. I think uh, with Larry's passing, I think his legacy really came to the forefront. Yes. People really appreciated just how good this guy was. And, and it's yeah. and it's so sad that it gets to that point that yeah. somebody passes and then you you kind of take them for granted, right? To that saying you don't know what you've got till it's gone, and then Larry's gone, and you're like, oh my god, this this guy did so much. I mean, he meant so much to this company, and was such a high profile figure. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, as you said, sometimes unfortunately it takes uh, it takes somebody passing to really appreciate just how good they were. You look at some of those Larry Hannig old-time promos. Uh, Larry delivered the goods. I mean, you, Larry sold tickets. He was a legitimate tough guy. And I would agree with you, Chris. Uh, not underrated, but underappreciated, I think. Larry was so good that despite the heat that Larry had, Larry and Vern had, Larry still got the push. I, in hindsight, what if they got along? Would Larry have gotten a bigger push? Would he have gotten a run at uh, the AWA championship during the 1970s? Or uh, he may have had a short one. I don't remember a sustained one whatsoever, but Larry was mainly tag team. But again, he was so good that despite the heat that he had with mm -hmm. Vern, Larry was still at the top. So I think the comment of overrated versus overappreciated, overrated or underrated, no, underappreciated, I would say yes. And, and it's interesting, too, that you talk about the heat between those two. I, I want to flip that to, to Vern and say, you know, kind of go back on the Dynapower thing. I know we're having some fun with it. To be ahead of the game and, and know that you've got – this new product that you could market, I think was great foresight on Vern's thought. But then to realize that even though there's somebody that you have legitimate heat with that you do not get along with in Larry Hedding, to still continue to realize that he is a big part and such a valuable asset, he didn't push him down the card. I mean, this was not relegated. He was at that main event status. Even if you didn't necessarily like the individual, you realize that that was best for the company, and that was going to draw you the most money. Chris, right out of the gate, I mean, Larry, you know, initially as a rookie, it took, you know, he got his feet up, you know, got his feet wet a little bit. Well, Larry was a main yeah. eventer from, you know, from the get-go. Uh, singles matches, tag team matches. He had a series of matches against Nick Bockwinkel. Uh, singles matches in the 1970s. Uh, didn't win the championship, but uh, again, as we have agreed here, Larry Anning, to me, definitely Mount Rushmore of the AWA. Yeah, and the fact that you said he, you know, wrestled those single matches against Vern, um, I don't remember them. And that's why I said earlier about how he never, it didn't appear that he, that he had a long sustained run at trying to get the belt. Yeah. Um, he had, you know, he did have some matches, but never really like the, the, the big push that a Bachwinkle, uh, uh, Ganya, or Vern and Billy Robinson um, would have gotten, or, or Mad Dog even. Uh, yeah, more, more of a tag team guy. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to the, uh, the next one here, guys. Uh, this is for you, Joe, from Greg Sirota. 
Rocky Mountain Thunder. How, what, and why? Your thoughts. So let me start by saying anybody that gets into the ring uh, earns my respect. In the case of Rocky Mountain Thunder, <laughs> in the ter- in the case of Rocky Mountain Thunder, I, just somebody that shouldn't have gotten into the ring to begin with. Uh, stiff as hell, bad as as bad a match as I, I I saw matches with Rocky Mountain Thunder that were on par with the Giant Baba and Bulldog Bob Brown Wrestle Rock match. Oh my God! And that which was like one of my favorite lines. Who is a Giant Baba and what? No, who who is Bulldog Brown and what is a Giant Baba? I believe yeah. was your line. Yeah, it, it just. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> well, Rocky, 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 he hurt people. I mean, he was so unskilled that he hurt people. Thus, I, I believe the promo picture of uh, Potato. Bay, yes. You know, yeah. Uh, man, he, Joe, you had to work with the guy more than I did, and uh, he he was not he was not a seasoned ring veteran. And you're right; he hurt more guys than than the locker room would care to know. As far as the why it was really it was during the continued downslide of the AWA and the we we were desperate for for talent and he came in and and plugged as somebody you know big guy and you know um, let's give him a push and he got a push, all right, right out of the locker room and out of the arena. He he just was not good. You know, as as strange and as silly as it sounds, Chris and Joe, I think Vern was looking for a big guy still to replace Hulk Hogan. He tried it with Silo Sam to replace Andre. He tried it with uh, Rocky Mountain Thunder. It just never worked. And sometimes it was really, really bad real bad and this is one of those times and another name and all of the names that you threw out there are horrible big men he did try to make scott hall the next hulk hogan yes he did yes as well but uh you know he turned out pretty good well mr o'groton mr Uh, scallop uh rocky mountain thunder (laughs) potato by the way that that (laughs) i think i think that was his best promo pick too i believe so Wow. Okay. For uh, this is for the group from Trent James. Who do you think Hulk Hogan would have feuded with in the AWA had he stayed heel and Hulkamania not run wild? Oh, I'll, uh, had he who stayed wants, who heel? Who wants to go first? I... Yeah, if if he had stayed heel, because I mean there are two different ways that we can approach this. But uh, Trent wants to know if he still would have been the the villain. Okay, if he would have stayed heel back in, in his day, he had any number of challengers. I mean, you know, you, you go down that, that roster in in 82, could have been anybody. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that had he stayed heel and they flipped Jesse, uh, that would have been a, a pretty damn good feud. Uh, you know, and, and of course, they wrestled here against each other uh, with Hogan as the babyface. But... Uh, God, any number of guys, They, you know, from Bachwinkle 
Blackwell right on down the line, you know, whether splitting up the Road Warriors and having singles matches against Hogan. Uh, there would have been a lot of money to be made there with Hogan as a heel. But uh, in retrospect, you you can't argue with millions and millions of dollars in uh, turning him babyface. Yeah, not even a thought to, to not turn him babyface. Yeah. I mean, he... Uh, <laughs> I... I, I I can't imagine Hulk Hogan as a heel that early in his career, although he was. Yeah, he was. They they tried. But during that run, especially after the the Rocky III movie, there is no way in hell that you're going to have Hulk Hogan as a a heel. And putting Mm -hmm. him in against Nick Bockwinkle, I've stated it many times that, Rocky three provided the the springboard for Hulk Hogan to to get into the water as deep as as he did. Nick Bockwinkel taught him how to swim, or at least was a, yeah. was, a, was a was a big part of Hulk Hogan learning what to do inside the ring. Now, as far as you know, other names, I Mick, you're right. I mean, the roster was phenomenal. Oh, Tito Santana. Santana. I mean, it's you know. You yeah, I, I was I was thinking Martel was yeah, kind of absolutely. That I... I mean, Martel was huge. Tito was huge. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, Jim Brunzel had some great singles matches. Jim Brunzel would have been great too. Yeah, so yeah, there was a lot of wiggle room there. The other thing that you said, Mick, about turning Jesse uh, babyface, much like me not imagining Hulk Hogan as a heel at the time, I can't imagine Jesse being a babyface either. At that time, I, I don't not saying that it wouldn't have been, you know, cool idea. Yeah. But just no, Jesse was a, was just he had heel written all over. I was going to say, yeah, could could you ever see Jesse Ventura as a baby face? You know, it's, it, I'm, I'm not saying it would have been ideal for him, but I think if the program would have been set up correctly, if Hogan is this dastardly heel and Jesse is kind of like this cult cult figure around the state of Minnesota and AWA, I think you could have pulled it off. Um, But again, bottom line, dollars and cents, biggest baby face in the history of the business. Uh, All right. The the next one for you, Joe, from Leo Hansen of all the AWA events you produced, which one was your favorite? Wow. Great question, Leo. You know, if, if I take everything together, I, I got to go Super Clash 3, albeit that was the, um, so I, I, to me, it was like the final nail in the coffin of the AWA, although it still survived uh, for a couple of years after that. Um, Super Clash 3, we did a rundown in Memphis, Louisville, and Nashville. Um, did that in about, I want to say, four or five days. It might have even been three or four days where... Uh, we made the circuit down there, came back and edited my ass off for three months, got all prepped for uh, Super Clash 3. And while the event itself was nothing short of a disaster from a box office standpoint, I really enjoyed it, working with the other promoters, the David McLeans of the world and, and uh, the... Uh, um, 
WCCW, Jarrett's territory uh, uh, from Memphis. That's why he went to Tennessee and Kentucky, I guess. Um, it was a blast. Uh, I had fun. I really um, uh, I- enjoyed working not only in the other territories, but with the other wrestlers, you know, the, the Cactus Jacks and the Kerry Von Erics of the world, Jerry Lawler, uh, to have all of them under the same roof doing promos and getting everything scheduled. It was the most hectic, most chaotic, but the most fun. Great answer. I'm glad that you mentioned that because as an outsider, we look at it and we have a certain view of it, but you being on the inside and, and working with all of the promoters and, and you mentioned, you know, the talent and kind of how hectic it was, how really rewarding it was from a work standpoint and not necessarily, you know, as an outsider like me or, you know, people that have watched it. So the two completely different views, I, I find that really interesting. Yeah, well, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff is often uh, different. Some yeah. may have thought of Wrestle Rock uh, or, or something uh, a little earlier, but now I've got, got to go, go at the end, go at the Super Clash 3. It, um, you know, as I reflect back, and maybe a part of it was me during that time hoping that this was going to uh, revive the AWA yeah, about 120 people in the audience on that wintry, blizzardly night showed me otherwise. Sadly. All right, let's go to you, Mick, for the next one from Stanley Blackburn Jr. You, po- <laughs> you posted a photo on your old school Facebook page of Dick Murdoch and Dusty Rhodes versus Nick Bockwinkel, Ray Stevens. You said that Dusty and Dick were the crowd favorites. Wondering, those must have been great brawls. What can you talk about with that? They were. I mean, they were great brawls. That's exactly right. You didn't have Luthez and Jack Briscoe in there. Uh, although, of course, you know, Nick and Ray could certainly wrestle. Uh, Rhodes and Murdoch, you know, you got four heels at the time, but the crowd picked up uh, in the corner of Dusty and Dick. And there is a, a picture uh, of, from the Minneapolis Tribune. And I was at that show. And it's Bockwinkle and Stevens against uh, Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch, and the, the article says it all. Uh, at one point in the match, Nick was tossed out of the ring. Uh, a fan jumped up on him, and uh, all of a sudden it spilled back into the ring, out of the ring with wrestlers and fans, and Bob O'Brien, an off-duty Minneapolis police officer, actually got stabbed. Uh, thank God it was just a, a pen knife and didn't do more serious damage. But in terms of actual in-ring Riot, that is probably the the number one for the Minneapolis area anyway. I know they've had shootings in Chicago and what have you, but it was amazing that Rhodes and Murdoch, as hated as they were, Nick and Ray were that much more hated that they inspired a fan to jump on Nick and uh, lead into a full-scale riot. First thing that pops to mind for me was the old-school entrance that would have been done that day with yeah. off-duty Minneapolis or St. Paul officers um, escorting the talent uh, to the ring. And in this case, it was needed. Um, Bob O'Brien, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that was not the only time he was ever security for the AWA. Oh, all the time. By yeah, he, he, was, he was a longtime mainstay of one of those guys marching out the boys. Yep, and, uh, and again... In terms of match content, 
100% brawl. Most of the time they went to a double disqualification or an old contest or that kind of thing, as you would expect. Of course, old school. You got to you got to keep that angle going a little bit longer. Yep. Yep. All right. The uh, the next one is for me, guys, from Elaine Strassman. This is one that I've been asked several times, and I'm kind of glad that she asked us. Uh, I've stated that I didn't start watching wrestling uh, until the late 80s. The AWA was starting to fade by then, so my exposure was pretty limited. When I decided to do a podcast, why the AWA, not a different promotion? Uh, you know, he, here's really what it boils down to. I was born in 1975. So I did not see the heyday. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know a lot of things that I did not see. I'm not going to come off as being an expert on something from the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. I'm not going to come off as an expert about anything because I'm not an expert. I'm a fan. And when I started watching wrestling was probably 86, 87, 10, 11 years old. And of course, I had the, you know, the, the WWF, the Saturday night's main event, you know, the, the Saturday shows on TBS with, you know, the NWA and then WCW. I watched world class, you know, I, I, you know, uh, global, everything that was on ESPN. And part of that, it was the AWA. And knowing that there was this promotion that was based out of Minneapolis, I naturally gravitated to it. And I gravitated to you, Mick. A and... It was just, I, to me, the AWA, just because I'm a Minnesota guy, I was, you know, grew up in southwestern Minnesota. I wanted to know more about it because I didn't know the AWA in the late 80s. I didn't know that was the waning days. I mean, that was what I knew. I didn't know about the Crusher. I didn't know Bruiser. I didn't know Vern. I didn't know Larry Heddick. But as I got older and I, you know, I'm learning more about it. I'm like, well, God, there's so much about this promotion in this territory. Everybody's talking about, you know, WWF or NWA or Port. They're doing all these different territories and nobody was talking about the AWA. And to me, it was like, well, why aren't we featuring something that was based in Minneapolis that you could make the case? Hey, kitty, kitty, kitty. Um, you could make the case that it was one of the most influential promotions because of all of the talent that was here. Why is nobody talking about it? So when I was kicking around the idea, I wanted to learn more and I can go on Google, I can go on Wikipedia, but that only tells you so much right. because anybody can look shit up on the internet. Okay. Newsflash. Anybody can do that. That's not adding much. What I wanted to do was add the context <laughs> and the stories and now that kayfabe has been broken down, Mick, you were involved. You were a fan. You worked for Vern. You were somebody that I instantly, and again, I was a fan of yours growing up. Here's a little inside baseball for everybody. I was a big Mick Karch fan, and I am a Mick Karch fan because I've gotten to know you as a person, and I love and respect the hell out of you. There's no denying that. We bust on each other, but you can give – a, a perspective of the AWA that nobody else can. And Joe, when I first met you, like you added more behind the scenes and that's what I want. I, I wanted this to be entertaining. I want people that can tell the stories and do it in a fun way. That's engaging. And, and, and that 
understands what the what the focus of the podcast is. This is not to sit here and bore you to fucking death, okay? Because people like to fucking talk and 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 talk. I don't want that. I want this to be about the stories I want to learn. I don't know everything. I'm not going to know anything. For people that say I don't do my research, I don't know. Okay? <laughs> there you have it. Okay? But I wanted to learn. I wanted to have some fun. And that's why. So there well, was my talk, 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 talk. Chris, to that point, um, that's why you ask questions. Uh, and that's why your questions are meaningful when you ask them, because you do want to learn. Not everybody that turns on the podcast remembers a specific date and time. So there is a buildup. Excuse me. There is a there are layers, as you've said. You've got to, You've got to, You've got to set it up for, for 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 those that don't know about me. I've been a professional broadcaster since 1997. I work in the media industry. I've been a producer. I've been a host. I've been a podcaster. There's a certain way that you build things up in terms of a show and formats and concepts. Sorry, dude. This is like the most pissed off I've I probably. Been. I'm now just starting to vent. So thank you guys for for allowing me. But. Go go ahead and and you know feel yeah, free to put I, me over. No, I I I think, <laughs> I mean, it, let's use the Jerry Blackwell babyface turn as an example. We had somebody who said, "Well, it took you 32 minutes on your podcast to get into the actual turn itself." Well, you know what? If you're a wrestling fan who has no idea what the buildup or was this or what the setup was. And we just said, well, this is when they started beating up on Jerry Blackwell. Let's go right to the footage. You have no freaking idea of the setup of the long-term storyline that led up to that in old school wrestling. So keep the questions coming. Chris, as far as the AWA is concerned, there's, you know, there's still an incarnation of the NWA out there. WWF mm -hmm. in all its incarnations is still out there. The AWA is not. It's gone. The AWA is 32 years ago, folks. So certainly that void was here. Chris, I'm glad you contacted me about it. I'm glad we got Chupik on board. And uh, I'm glad you got a chance to vent. And let's keep going. Sounds like a good idea. I, 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 one thing that I'll add to it is there's too much keyboard courage out there uh, nowadays where no matter what we say, I, I won't even say we, no matter what somebody says, what somebody does, you're going to have somebody just be a dick. Yeah. It, 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 there's nothing you can do to change it. Um, I, I, I just push them off and, and, and it's like, Hey, oh, yeah. we're, we're doing what we do. You want to tune in, uh, maybe learn something, hopefully be entertained, then do it. If you are looking for exact seconds of what happened on what date and in this order and so forth, then go to Wikipedia. Hopefully we provide yeah. some form of entertainment for you. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, eh, go check out another podcast. If you like what we're doing, come on in. Let's have a battle room. Yeah, and, and, and we've got so many good people that follow us, so many people that love the podcast, and we love you guys right back. Like, this has been an amazing project, 
and we've got so many things that we are still going to to talk about. Uh, guys, I got one more. Let's jump to the the final one. We've got a few more that we're going to get to maybe on the next one. Uh, this is uh, I'm going to go down to, to number 15, you guys. Uh, this is for the group from Ray Gomez. Ask each of us this one. We got about 10 minutes left here. Of the AWA alumni, those that are still with us, who would you like to have on the podcast? Uh, Joe, why don't we go Joe Mick uh, and then me? There are several that I could name, but at the top of my list, I probably got to say Shawn Michaels. Uh, he he started in the business the same time that I did. I have not uh, seen or worked or talked with uh, Sean. Of course, there's uh, Sean and Marty. Um, it, the 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 things that oh my God, the stories from the showboat that you know. I I I would just I'd love to have a chat with Sean Michaels. Um, again, have not talked to him since he did. Did Sean, did Sean get Marty a birthday present or was it the other way around? <laughs> um, Sean is the one who was on the receiving end of the birthday candle. Uh, 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 okay. I mean, I know you're giving us like an oral history of it. I just wanted to, to make sure if I knew. Oh, you I see what you did there. Like that? Yeah, I, I don't want to blow anything out of proportion, but, you know, um, yeah. Now, Shawn Michaels, I'd love to have Shawn on the podcast. Uh, you know, he obviously went shot, on that's the to... Money, that's, that's the money shot right there, Joe. Yeah. Shawn went on to uh, bigger and better and greater things, and uh, he deserved it. He went from somebody who is a great worker and um, really not that good on promos to doing great promos and I, I personally loved his in-ring work that match against Rick Flair Rick's first retirement match mm-hmm. uh, I marked out for that one not because I was a huge fan of uh, of Rick Flair or Sean for that matter just the way that it was presented I, I give them both respect right on down to that final super kick that Sean gave Rick but no Sean Michaels Sean if you're listening Reach out. We'd love to have you on this podcast. We might need several hours just to go over some of those showboat stories. (laughs) Uh, For you, Mick. Well, first of all, you know, we should preface this this by saying, folks, there's a lot of people we would love to have on this podcast. We can Uh, have a podcast about the people that we want to have on the podcast. Exactly. But we can't in a lot of ways. You know, if they've signed a deal with XYZ Promotion... Uh, where they can't appear uh, on an, on another uh, podcast, we're screwed. We can't do anything. And, and uh, we ha- and we have explored. We have. And those people have gotten back to us saying, "I would love to, but contractually, I'm obligated that I cannot do it." And we res- and we respect that. We we certainly do. And I I'm sure that uh, Sean Michaels is one guy that has uh, some contractual obligations. Uh, there are others out there, and there are some guys with, that we have approached, men and women, uh, that have said, how much are you going to pay me? Uh, you know, I want X number of dollars. We'd love to have you on board, but we don't do that. You know, we, we want to uh, – this is a, a low-budget deal, and we're here to entertain. And- <laughs> wow. Well, well I, 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 make, I make six figures a week, so – 
Well, I do too, but they're all, they're all the same figure. But um, <laughs> well, and that decimal point is after the very first one of those many figures. There's one person that I would love to have on this podcast, and I don't know if we can get this individual. I would love it. Yes. Oh, she has her own podcast and is doing extremely well. And I don't know who she is contractually obligated to. And that is our friend Medusa. Um, Medusa was a guest on, oh God, Medusa was a, a guest on SNR back in 1989. We had her on a few times. Uh, Joe, you and I have talked about this in 87 when she got into the business. Uh, she broke in through Eddie Sharkey. Uh, she was a little green around the edges and it took some time, but being in the ring with the likes of the Sherry Martells of the world, uh, she earned her stripes real, real quickly. And I know Deuce has some stories about those early AWA days. Uh, that was her springboard to national stardom. You got to say she did it on her own, though. I mean, once you know she was out of the AWA, massively over in Japan. And then, of course, in WWF as Alundra Blaze. And, and, you know, WCW dropping the championship belt uh, in the trash can. Uh, so many stories that we would ask of Medusa. She is an author. She's a singer. She's an actress. She does everything. She's a podcaster. She's Mom, a monster truck, truck driver. driver. Yeah. yeah, monster truck driver, media influencer, and everything she's done, she has excelled at. Everything. Uh, so, Deuce, uh, I'm going to try to get a hold of you sometime and see if we can get you on the podcast. One of my favorite people in the business, period. And another one from the great city of Robbinsdale. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, my last one is going to be one that is still very, very much uh, uh, influential in the wrestling business today. Maybe more so now than he's ever been. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, his name is Paul Heyman. Oh, and I, I know he's a friend of yours, Mick. You guys had a chance to, to work together. What I love about Paul Heyman slash Paulie Dangerously is the his history. Not what he's doing now, but starting in New York, you know, Studio 54, you know, working his way up really legitimately the grind an outsider, a hustler. I mean, his his Twitter account is, is Heyman Hustle. And somebody who's got that sort of grind, that work ethic, who understands, you know, he was the, the, the catalyst, you know, people know about ECW and then after. But I just feel like the early stages and in, in trying to figure his way out, you know, into the business and kind of, Figuring out his personality, I think, is what I'm trying to say. I just feel like there's so much meat on the bone in terms of, like, developing and a, and, a, and a young Paul Heyman. The interesting thing about it, Chris, and you're right, and you think about Paul Heyman. My God, talk about incarnations again. You know, when he started out, you know, in, he's in Continental, and then he's in the AWA, and then yeah. WCW, and all the times he has reinvented himself. Even now, it's kind of being the lackey uh, to Roman Reigns and the tribal chief. Nobody does it better than Paul Heyman. 
Uh, I would be interested in getting him on the podcast to hear about his take on those AWA days. You mentioned that I was there with him at the time, and I've talked about this. He was so frustrated because Paul's always got those wheels turning. And that's what I love, like cre- creativity. Yes. I, I, I will take creativity and ingenuity and always thinking, always wanting to make something better, always wanting to to add something. I will take that mindset 100 times out of 100. You know, there's detractors, you know, for Paul Heyman, you know, in the business. And, you know, no matter who you are, you're going to have your detractors. But I remember Paul just would come out of those production meetings uh, in the AWA days. And he'd he'd come up to me and he'd say, I I can't fucking believe it. They won't listen to me. I want to do this. We should do this with Tommy Rich, whatever it was. And, And he got nowhere. So he was frustrated, but great. Great pick, Chris. He was – Paul is just a few months younger than I am. So when he broke in, I'll, I'll say into the AWA, we were – I mean, we're the same age. I recognized then the mind that he had for the business. Mm-hmm. More times than not, I agreed with what he wanted to do versus was he ahead of his time? ended up being done. You throw on the fact that when he did a promo, I've said this a million times to to talent, your job is to make me believe. Paul Heyman made me believe. He Mm -hmm. still makes me believe to this day. He is one of the best orators on – uh, in the business. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many – I'm still giving Bobby Heenan the, the, the top of rung on that ladder. Paul Heyman, from a from a promo standpoint, my good, I I bring him on. Let let's get let's get yeah. let's get Paulie dangerously on this podcast. I would love that. All right, let's get to our shout outs here, guys, and we'll bring it home. Uh, Mick, why don't you go first? My kids are going to get the shout out this week um, because not only do they listen to the podcast religiously, at least I know my daughter does. My son kind of gets distracted by his gorgeous wife. And I, you know, um, but my kids back in the day, back in the SNR days, put up with a lot of dad not being around. And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of Saturday nights and Friday nights and Thursday nights um, where I wasn't there. But they have been and continue to be my biggest fans, my biggest supporters. Love them to death, and my long overdue shout-out is to Brett and Michelle. I can't I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. I think uh, you love your kids, and they love you right back, Mick. Thank you. I All right. Family is a great thing. My shout-out uh, goes, might be uh, an easier cliche, but uh, my shout-out is to all of the veterans who sacrificed for our country. Uh, we've got memorial. We had Memorial Day yesterday. This will be released during the week of uh, Memorial Day. But um, to all of you, thank you uh, very much. Uh, to all veterans all over. My dad was one of them. He didn't give his life for America because he was still back in Poland. But he served his duty as well. Uh, so not only a shout out, but uh, a, a, a salute and deep gratitude and appreciation uh, for all that uh, they have done for us. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, one of our newest members of our AWA Unleashed fan page, 
Uh, Randy, I'm retired. Uh, loves it, listens to it every week. So uh, thank you, Randy. Uh, that being said, we got 30 seconds, guys. Uh, anything else you want to add to this week's show? Uh, not really. I'm just wondering where our residuals, where our checks are coming in. Uh, Joe and I had a, a long discussion about that, and you're the guy. You're the guy that writes the checks, so we're just wondering. Uh, we like the smell of burning rubber, so we're expecting your check anytime. How about some Dyna Power? <laughs> <laughs>